Hello, and welcome to the Content Minds. I have fallen down a rabbit hole this week trying to reverse engineer the various spice packets that come with HelloFresh meals. My name is Ryan. Did I say that? My, no, you didn't. Okay. I don't think so. I can't remember. Okay. Uh, my name is Luke, and I have spent uh, uh, this week... I don't know what I've been doing this week. I don't have. I don't. I've got to start thinking about these bits. Uh, I, I don't know. I this is our couch gag. We have to say like my name and then what we are doing or wearing or where we are or something. I'm in the same place I've been for a year. <laughs> I'm in the same place, staring at the same screen <laughs> that I am every single day. All right, let's hit the theme song. <laughs> Oh, I'll tell you what. Actually, because this is coming out tomorrow, uh-huh. we're launching a new website. So check out our website, inews.co.uk, from Friday. Be a f- shiny new website. Ooh, is it? Uh, what's it built on? Is it WordPress? Yes. Where's that the interesting bit? I don't know. I just enjoy learning about different content management systems. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's my hobby. Um, welcome to the Content Minds. Uh, w- this week we are talking about all the drama around a very obscure but influential blog called Slate Star Codex. We will be having a guest this week as well, which is very exciting. His name is Tom Chivers. He has literally written a book about the internet community that Slate Star Codex is part of. They're called the Rationalists. Um, yeah, it's a good conversation. But before we get into that, uh, Luke, how's the internet this week? Uh, I feel like the internet's been kind of simmering this week. Yes. I felt like there's been quite a lot of latent anger that hasn't not hasn't quite found an expression. Very, very angry. Like, I, it's, it's like everyone got in a real bad mood when Gina Carano got kicked off The Mandalorian, and then it just didn't ever get better. Yeah, but it didn't kind of break out because I feel like everything that happened is stuff that's happened before. So everyone's like, I want to be angry, but this isn't this isn't quite the thing. I've, I haven't got quite enough to like, grab onto to be angry about. No, I think that's totally true. It's like, I am angry, but I don't know what to be angry about or who. Uh, people are even getting angry about the balloon guy again this week. Like, people are playing all the hits, you know? I'm sorry, balloon guy? Yeah, the balloon guy, the guy who puts the balloons behind him and then stands in front of the wall. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, pe- Well, I mean, he is awful. He's awful, but like, of course he's, he's been awful. Like, We know this. Um, I have a clip that I have been dying to show you f- okay. for two weeks now, and it just hasn't really worked, but I really want to use this because you know me. I love Chinese propaganda. And I'm very sure. interested in Chinese propaganda. This entire show is Chinese propaganda. That's true. I am. F- we, the content mines is funded by <laughs> Beijing. That's correct. Um, so, Luke, I want to show you this ad for a Chinese high-end liquor that my friend Alan sent me, and it's unbelievable. I would like to get your thoughts on this on this Chinese liquor ad that I saw. Okay. You don't have to watch the whole thing, but definitely get to the drop. All right, so this is a... The tweet is apparently a Chinese high-end liquor producer's released... Uh, okay. Yeah, it's a it's four non-Chinese people rapping about this Chinese liquor, and it's, like, That's totally good. nuts. It's got a very soulful feel. Yeah. 
it's it feels like it's trying to do a Okay, the the jar for the stuff is crazy. It looks it's it's like the idea that this is what a high end looks like is great. Yeah. But it's like it's like them trying to repackage Chinese liquor as like a cool thing. Yeah. They're clearly trying to yeah, they're trying to do a thing where it's like this is why people come to China. <laughs> yeah. Which the liquor is called Mu Tai, and I I don't think I've ever had it. This is quite bad. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. I've just I I really really love watching like what international influencers do like in regards to Chinese propaganda because like clearly the Chinese government's trying to figure out how to use foreign influencers, but they don't quite get it yet. Yeah, I think it feels like they are attempting to. It feels like they think these people should be influencers, but these people are not influencers. They are just people. I think. I think. I don't think they're famous. I think they're just people. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that the people making it are like, well, people like people who look sort of like this. Right. They're like pretty young people from like different parts of the world rapping about Chinese liquor. What's not to like? Yeah, it's a uh, pretty, pretty, pretty. It's pretty strange. It's also <laughs> really long. It's it's three minutes. It's so long. long. It's a full three minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's really long. Um, That's far too long an ad. Yeah. Um, so have you? I, I saw this really interesting uh, tweet. It's a screenshot from uh, a Hackney de- uh, a Hackney next door group, and it's a picture of a snake. Oh, the snake! Yeah, and it reads, "Hi guys, just posting to say that due to unfortunate circumstances, I've had to rewild my python in Hackney marshes. He should be pretty friendly. He's well cared for and microchipped, and should be fairly docile until the weather heats up a bit. Wanted to let next door know so people can keep an eye on small dogs in the lake." And then there's a bunch of like crying reaction faces. I mean, that is one hundred percent. I mean, it's one hundred percent fake. I'm on this. I'm on this. This group. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I'm on Hackney next door because I live in Hackney. Oh, yeah, true. Okay. Well, if you see um, the if you see this photo of a snake, which seems to have come from uh, a photo first posted in Australia, let me know. I mean, aside from anything else, it's been raining a lot here, and Hackney marshes are actually marshes at the moment. So, as opposed to not marshes. Oh, they're normally fields. Well, as opposed right? to a field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's cool. The one last one last good thing I got for you, um, and this is. This is pretty good. Uh, so this morning, friend of the show, Hussein Kazvani, uh, tweeted, Once again, I have woken up with the with only one thought in mind, that the Boston bomber who tweeted this during the manhunt is one of the greatest posters of all time. And then is a screenshot of the Boston bomber's Twitter account who tweeted, I'm a stress-free kind of guy, as he was on the run from Boston police. Well, I mean, from by all accounts, he was not that stressed. A lot of people had a problem with the way Hussein phrased this tweet, which is fair because Hussein is a deranged lunatic. But one person had a very good response to Hussein, and I've decided I want it to maybe be like the tagline of our show, which is really deep thought out take we've come to expect <laughs> really deep thought out take we've come to expect from guys with Patreons. <laughs> and that's from Twitter user Cactus Insurance. <laughs> and that is one of the funniest things I've ever read. So congratulations. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> uh, as two guys with a Patreon, let me tell you, I love that. <laughs> I mean, if you have a Patreon or Substack, do they cancel each other out? Uh, no, I, I'm like Dr. Manhattan. <laughs> I've become like beyond the normal poster. Um, Should we give a brief mention to uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League and the first trailer for it? 
Oh, the Joker saying we live in a society finally? We live in a society where honor is a distant memory. Isn't that right? Batman. I mean, the entire, the entire thing. That happened this week, didn't it? That happened on the uh, the fourteenth. That happened. Uh, oh, that happened on Monday. That happened. Wow, this week has been dragging ass. Yeah. So the Snyder Cut. That's, sun- that's Sunday. Right. I know what days it is, uh, and yes. I definitely can tell the difference between one day and the next. Yeah, the Snyder Cut is out, or it's coming out next month. Um, it looks like ugly dog shit, and <laughs> I cannot wait to watch all. I'm four kind hours of into of it. it. Really? I'm kind of into it. Like, yeah, I think you've got to turn like with this sort of thing at this point. You know the version they did didn't work, so just turn it up all the way up and then see 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 if that works. It might be much worse at four hours long. It almost definitely is going to be. I mean, it's gonna be so the the big the big info we now have about it is that we will be getting Dark Side, which is like the main big bad guy who was cut from the original. We will be getting black suit dead Superman, so possibly an evil Superman, which kind of cool, I guess. And then yep. it seems like. The whole thing is that when Superman died, he like he let out a scream that woke up evil aliens. That seems to be what the plot of the movie is. That would be good. I'm into it. Sure. I mean, that we get Jared Leto's Joker, and he's going to be in it. That's kind of cool. And it says we live in a society, and I don't – like, the problem with Zack Snyder is that he's so ludicrous that I don't know if he means it or not, ever. No, he's n- – like, he's Is that not- a reference? I don't think it is. He's not in on the joke. Like Zack Snyder has never been in on a joke. It's just it just doesn't. I don't think he understands what jokes are. That's entirely possible. Which makes him perfect for writing the Joker. Um, we will be doing a Snyder cut episode. Uh, we'll be talking about the internet's relationship to it. We'll be reacting to it. We're going to be trying to bring on uh, maybe a guest or two to talk about it. We want to make it. We want to. We want to celebrate the internet pulling this thing out of Zack Snyder's brain and into reality. It sort of defined like the entire internet's relationship with movies. So expect that episode to be dropping uh, next month. Once this thing is out, we're gonna we're gonna get through it. We're gonna watch it. And we're gonna talk about it. And if you're interested in our journey through DC, you can definitely check out our Patreon, which has um, episodes about all the bad DC movies. There. Um, before we go to our guest Tom Chivers um, and talk about Slate Star Codex, I want to play a really great BBC clip that I found on Twitter this week. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, let's uh, let's take it to this. This is uh, from the BBC archive. It was uh, released in 1984, and it's Moira Stewart reading out the other candidates in the Chesterfield by-election. In the main talking point of the day, among candidates in the Chesterfield by-election. Nominations closed this afternoon, leaving a record 17 candidates to fight the seat on March the 1st. And the other candidates are Lord Such, Monster Raving Looney Party, Last Stand, Sid Shaw, Elvis Lee Yours, Elvis Presley Party, David Bentley, Four Wheel Drive, Hatchback Road Safety, Helen Anscombe, Death Off Roads, Jitendra Bhardwaj, Yoga and Meditation, Donald Butler, Buy Your Chesterfield in Tame Party, David Carhill, Reclassify Sun Newspaper as a Comic, John Connell, Peace Candidate, John Davey, No Increase in Dental Charges, Christopher Hill, Prisoner Party, Thomas Layton, Spare the Earth, Paul Nicholas Jones, Independent, and Giancarlo Picaro, Official Acne Party Candidate. This week we have a 
a, a close friend, actually, of me and Luke's, a former colleague of ours. He has written the literal book on Slate Star Codex. His name is Tom Chivers, and his book is called The Rationalist Guide to the Galaxy. And Tom was nice enough to come on the show this week and try to explain what this blog is, why this blog matters, why everyone's mad about this blog, and why maybe people don't need to be as mad about this blog as they are. It's a complicated story. So, Tom, first of all, hi. Thanks for coming on. <laughs> How you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Thanks for having me on. This week, we wanted to bring you on because we know you, and you know a lot about Star Slate Codex and Slate Star Codex. Slate Star Codex. I know that's that a, bit at least. That's a perfect. Uh, that's a perfect <laughs> transition into what I was about to say, which is that I have successfully avoided this thing for many years. So before we like launch into like everything that's happened in the last week with this, Tom, can you just really concisely, quickly like explain what SSC is? Right. Okay. So I mean, it's a blog. That's the first thing you need to know. It's a blog. Um, but it's a blog set up by this guy. Uh, this, uh, he's a psychiatrist. He lives in the West Coast. Um, and he um, uh, he hangs around. He's, he's part of a wider community of sort of nerds who uh, sort of uh, accreted, sort of accreted around the, um, the, the ration. They're called the rationalists. They, they, they grew up around sort of the the less wrong um, dot com blog, which was you know this uh, website about rationality and about uh, AI, and particularly was based around this sort of idea that um, about whether or not we should be worrying about AI destroying the world. Basically, is this Roko's so, Basilisk? So it, Are we doing Roko's Basilisk right so now? Yes, this is where this comes from. This Roko's Basilisk was a uh, so I, I, I have to get this out of the way, right? Because because um, <laughs> Roko's Basilisk was a thought experiment proposed in the comments of a less wrong blog post. Um, which, as far as I can work out, because I, I had to put a put like a whole chapter of it in my book. I wrote a book. I should mention about this. Okay, about, I read the, the whole... I read the book. Yeah, oh, good. I, I read I read the book, I read the book in the last two days before you came on. Wait, Brilliant. Luke, you read uh, you yeah. read the book this week. I did. Wow. I read. I read. Yeah, I read the entire book on Monday and Tuesday night. Notice he hasn't said that he enjoyed it, but we'll come back to that. Well, I, I, <laughs> it, was an, it was an enjoyable book. It involves computers. I had to read it very fast. Yeah. I'm not sure of the rest of it. <laughs> um, yeah. The um, uh, so yeah, Rocco's Basilisk was a full experiment about AI that was that came in, but it got it got sort of spun out as being this whole thing that all the rationalists were freaking out and they couldn't sleep and everyone was having a panicky nightmare. But as far as I can work out. It, like no one really was actually worried about it, except the, and and the only reason it got it got massively Streisand affected because the guy who ran uh, less wrong, Eliezer Yurkowski, is the guy who sort of pushed the the uh, the idea of the AI going wrong in these particular ways that they worry about. He sort of said, "Look, if you've got this idea about how AI could go terribly wrong, it's really stupid to then write it on the internet where it could actually." Right. Yeah, and and then that sort of and they say, "You are stupid. I'm deleting this comment. We're banning all comments." And then that, of course, that gets Streisand effect, and then it goes around. So yeah, so the Rocco's Basilisk thing, which I've got derailed by immediately, um, was <laughs> was this sort of massive sideshow to the whole thing. Less wrong was about this uh, idea that you know AI will go wrong not in the ta the Terminator way, but in a um, uh, it will do exactly what you tell it to do, and that will be a disaster. Like um, the example I use is Disney's Fantasia. You know, Mickey Mouse enchants the broom, right. and the, the broom does exactly what Mickey Mouse wants it to do, but it nearly kills Mickey. That that's the sort of model. It, it seems slightly in line with like Harlan Ellison's "I have no mouth yet I must scream" depiction of the internet, like coming, like like basically just wiping out humanity as like a program, but not as like robots. 
Yeah, that sounds. I mean, that, I've, I've not read that. I've one of those things like um, those books that I've sort of been aware of and never actually read. But it sounds. It sounds like it could well be. So anyway, so that that blog that blog uh, less wrong spawned a whole sort of community of people who who got interested in it. Then Scott Alexander started his own spin off, Slate Star Codex, which was um, just him because him writing about things that interested him. So that was whether that was sort of topics about. Uh, you know the human mind and rationality. He's a psychiatrist, loads of stuff about mental health, but also about politics and just anything. And, it, and it's fascinating. And if you've got a particular kind of mind like me that enjoys reading eight thousand long, eight uh, thousand word long <laughs> dis- discussions on like how, where, um, uh, how sort of trying to model politics in in a, in a sort of rational way, like a like a then it, then it, then it then you get you just got this really really devoted following. Um, okay. And I mean, I think it, I think it's good that the solution to super intelligent AI that will kill us all is really long blog posts. Yeah, yeah. blogging yeah. through it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I shouldn't like the, the less wrong thing was very much dedicated to the, the less wrong was very dedicated to the AI thing. It, it got onto um, uh, human rationality because he found he couldn't describe why AIs would be different from humans without describing how humans were anyway. But then less less okay. Slate Star Codex was much more about just anything that interested um, Scott Alexander. Now you probably want to talk about what happened this week well well no so i I do want to set this up because like on this show we've talked about um the neo-reactionaries a few times Mm -hmm. and and i actually think my hottest take is that like they're correct and that the internet as it is currently (laughs) built is inherently futile um but so am i wrong in saying that like the less wrong group is sort of like the patient zero for both uh Slate Star Codex and the Rationalists, but also the Neo Reactionaries, who are like these like dark Enlightenment dudes who think that like the internet can manifest reality, and they're like vaguely fashy and stuff. Yes. Okay. So um, the way I had it described to me once, right, was they're, basically they're all like ultra nerds. Yeah. There, there's this sort of you know there, there's the, you know on the the Wham nerd division. Have you heard the term Wham as the opposite of a nerd anyway? So the, the, no, but that of, rules. And honestly, <laughs> look it up. W A M B. Um, there's a blog post. Um, oh, I thought you were talking about like the band Wham. Like no, 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 no. I was like, it, oh wow, yeah, they're Chad as fuck. That rules. <laughs> no, 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 no. That would make more sense though. But yeah, anyway. Um, so on the, on the on the sort of spectrum from nerd to non-nerd, they are super nerd, right? But they the this, this guy who um, I spoke to about it, he said basically. On, in these sort of nerds who worry, who worry about these things, there you can think of the rationalists, yes, being a sort of patient zero, and they spawned or at least co evolved with the effective altruists, who I'm sure you're aware of, the sort of people who worry about how you sort of nerdly address themselves to how you do the most good you can with one pound of charitable donation and all that sort of stuff. And that's this real, right. this sort of like, if rather than the sort of let's give money to a local ch- charity to it feels good. Look, no, let's do this nerdily assess how you will do the most good. And it's always anti-malarial bed nets, you know, um, or deworming <laughs> tablets. And, you know, let's face it, they're probably right. Anyway, so that's the, the and uh, what, what how, way the phrase was, if, if that's how where you go, if you're this massive sort of, nerdy i keep wanting to use the the terms that they use which is like autist or aspie but i feel it's kind of offensive coming from a guy who's neither of those things right so i I, yeah um, it's unfortunate that like that is the most accurate way that they define themselves but yes but it'd be completely wrong so i'm I'm using nerd as a sort of not quite accurate way of, of saying those things but the um so yeah so if you are one of these really nerdy people who come from the rationalist group he said the EA is a way you go if you're like want to do good in the world, and then 
the near reaction away you go if you're like that, but also kind of an asshole. You know, that was that was the sort of it's sort of divided up. I think it's also worth pointing out that the neo reactionaries are a tiny subgroup who just yes, they're. I mean, the the only reason we're even talking about them, I think, in twenty twenty one, is because Steve Bannon is like vaguely influenced by them. Yeah, but Curtis even Yarvin's he's like, one. yeah, and Curtis Yarvin's like a quack, and they they yeah. all fight amongst each other. And like, I've tried to read neo reactionary stuff before, and I'm like, mm. none of you know what words mean. Like, this is just gibberish. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, then, and then, so the one reason that um, I think Scott Alexander, Slate Star Codex, gets associated with them, is a fairly basic reason, I suppose, is he wrote a 30,000 word blog post trying to understand them. There's, he, he, did two, he did two posts, one called um, Neo Reaction, Reactionary Philosophy in an Enormous Planet Sized Nutshell. And that was like 20,000 words of this is what they believe, trying, you know, not so, you know, very big disclaimer at the top saying, look, I don't believe this stuff, but I'm trying to understand it. And then later, right. an, an anti reactionary sort of FAQ, look, I'm now arguing against this stuff, having, but, but, you know, trying to, trying to do it intellectual justice, trying to understand it and like really sort of, uh, so really sort of downloading it all into his brain so that he could, and, and that obviously then linked him and them in the public mind somewhat. So there is this is one of, thing I find really interesting. Because yeah. you said a really similar thing in, in your book about how the major flaw of the rationalists when they were dealing with these people was that they always tried to argue back. Mm. And like they, if someone comes in with a thing that another group might find like really offensive or clearly wrong, mm. they go, no, 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 we're going to argue about this and explain this. Yeah. Which to me, having you know been around the internet for a while, feels like it's incredibly open to being gamed by people with extremely <laughs> malicious intentions. <laughs> I think this is true. Okay, so I, I, I don't think I would have called it a law but it's certainly a weakness you know it, it's certainly a, like that yeah. i think i i think it is a gigantically like noble thing in a way right you know you, they, and, and there's a wonderful post of his called um in favor of niceness community and civilization they say basically you can come and you can join you can you can be part of this community whatever your beliefs as long as you are not a dick you know as long as you're not going to go around let's like, say you know like abusing each other fighting you know culture war and thing as long as you're saying look, these are what this is what i believe this is why i believe it you are what you know and then and i and i think that is marvelous and i think it is really uh, you know you know and it does mean that when you go to these rationalist spaces if you go to the uh, uh, slate star codex subreddit or to lesserwrong.com or on the comments underneath uh, slate star codex it is always polite and you then you read it through and you see someone politely making some case and you go oh my god right okay and and it is you know it is awkward and it is weird and it, and but like you're right it is a filter it is a filter effect because it means that people who would not be able to express their beliefs anywhere else on the internet um come here and they can have these polite conversations as long as they're not dickheads about it and that does mean that disproportionately you see you know you'll see you will see things there that discuss that you will not see anywhere else because they can't be discussed anywhere else, and that is, yeah, it has it has obvious pros and obvious cons because you end up sort of saying, well, I'm not sure that should be discussed here, but on the other hand, it does mean it has has this sort of. I, I sort of feel that like there should be somewhere where that sort of thing can happen, where you can have these discussions across significant difference, and I I, I don't know, I, I think it's it is both a weakness and a really noble thing about them, which I I admire. You know, um, it anyway. is interesting to me that it's also like. A very clear distinction between publishing and community building on the internet mm. and how like in the modern way that the internet's constructed, we're supposed to think of them as the same thing where it's like you get popular enough, you become a platform, that platform becomes a community and yada, yada, yada. Mm. But 20 years ago, that wasn't true. I mean, you would have something like Something Awful, which had the front page of it, which was all like content to read. And then it would have like a completely separate 
space to talk about that stuff or talk about whatever, which was moderated as an entirely different space. And it's Mm -hmm. like, it's interesting to me that like blogging and that era is so foreign to us now that when we look at a site like Slate Star Codex and we look at the comments, there's like this knee-jerk reaction to be like, all of this is editorial. All of this is connected. Whereas like on the internet, that was never true. And and it's weird that like that's also what we think now in a world where like Twitter is a public comment section for the internet that no one has any control over. So it's like, why would I – like we've gone so far beyond it. Like it feels alien to us. There's a really interesting – so uh, I, I keep, keep going on massive tangents and I, I hope this is all interesting, but anyway, I'll, I'll go on this one anyway. Yeah, but there, that's the, the beauty of podcasting. <laughs> Let's do this. You there, know? There, there, was a, there used to be a, well, there's, there's a, there's a Slate Star Codex subreddit, as you'd expect, right? And there was, they, they, it used to be, because culture war topics are the most fun topics to argue about, the whole, whole thing got dominated by, by culture war topics. So Scott and the mods on it, I thought maybe just the mods, I can't remember, said, look, I, I don't want it to be all about culture war all the time so we're going to have a culture war thread you have your culture war fights you have them in here it's all going to be you know it should be discussing rather than waging the culture war and it should be but and but you, you can be and as you can be other than that you know ghost town but it's all in here let's keep it con- corral and last year i think early last year or maybe even no probably early last year um on scott's request he they had to t- they had to get rid of the culture war thread because he said this is now you know, it, even though it's it's a tiny part of the total content, it is now all anyone sees because there's this, you know all the the if someone's discussing race realism or something awful in there, then that gets sh- shown around the internet, right? So I mean, look, look what these people believe. Look what these people believe. And even though it is a tiny bit, and he has said, look, I, it, it is now everything everyone anyone hears about it. He he wrote some silly um, thing he said about like uh, a maths thing about um, he did he did a study into whether or not people really eat their corn on the cob differently depending on whether on their uh, on whether they can do maths and so anyway some really silly little thing and it got shared around the internet a bit and he was uh, all the people saying don't you know this is by that race realist guy and he's like no no i'm I, i'm a democrat you know i, I vote democrat my I go well first of all you could be a democrat and a race realist we live in joe biden's america that is <laughs> okay, very yeah, possible that, that, okay yes but he is he is a he is a he's you know it, it, it was not what he believed anyway and uh so and he he made this really interesting point in the blog post he wrote about having to end the culture war thread is that actually what you're not worried about in comment sections you don't really the problem is not trolls or bots or russian misinformation it's intelligent people arguing about what they genuinely believe calmly and intelligently and that is disastrous because you'll have people you know intelligent people arguing Unaccept, you know, who's saying like you? I'll see people arguing in favour of why, why? Well, I suppose they'll probably say why the age of consent should be dropped, but like arguing in favour of pedophilic relationships, you know. Let's be honest. Um, Let's be honest. It's either going to be pedophilia or it's going to be eugenics. Those are the two things that yeah, or, ra- or yeah, or racism. all rational yeah. discussions end and, up. At. And in fairness, he has before said that he's in favour of quote liberal eugenics. Well, yeah, well sure. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I, I, then we get into a complicated question about where you yeah. define it. But the um, but yeah, he was as long that, as we're polite, we can talk about how much we want eugenics to happen. That's yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, may I have eugenics? Well, so what? What is interesting though? This is a really good point that you bring up though about the like the weird like scope of of Slate Star Codex and like how hard it is to pin down. For instance, like I got really invested in some drama around uh the blogger kevin drum who published like a like very typical like using math 
to downplay fears of QAnon radicalization. Hmm. And everyone started arguing about how he had figured out his math and whether or not millions of QAnon followers is a scary thing or not. And Hmm. someone obviously jumped in uh, into the replies and shared uh, the lizard man's constant is 4%, which is a Slate Star Codex piece. And it sort of sums up this idea that like 4% of the population is going to believe complete nonsense. And like that's... Or say complete nonsense on polls. Is right. the real key thing. So that, you, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you'll always get four. And it was it was interesting. It was interesting because I I once again I I have actively decided many years ago to ignore this entire wing of the internet, <laughs> and it was in, interesting to read it. And I was reading it before all of the hullabaloo this week, mm-hmm. and I was like. <sighs> I get why people like – I get why a, a, definitely a particular kind of person likes this. Hmm. Um, but it does feel so at odds with the rest of like how writing on the internet works now that it felt like strange to look it. at it. This is – it's basically a 20 – what, 2010, 2009 hmm. like blog or forum that has not updated itself. And as a result, it's now dealing with you know viral – it's gone through like the viral Facebook phase and the – Twitter cancelling phase mm. and the New York Times suddenly discovering it exists phase and all of these different elements that are like mm. and it's not changed at all which is the problem. Well yeah. you know what's so crazy it, it's so it, he has refused to change so much that when he moved to Substack <laughs> this week he had Substack build them a special widget that I don't no one has access to except for him that allows him to include a blog roll at the bottom of the page. <laughs> No one on Substack has that. All his readers were saying, he was also like, and I'm just still talking to Substack about how we can get the comment section just like it was before, because I don't want any of this upvote, upvote downvote bullshit. Um, which I, like, I, I, basically what he would say is like, I've built this walled garden, right? I built this walled garden where you can come in if you're polite. And if you're not polite, you get kicked out. And if you, and he also does like, in fairness, I should say he like, he permabans various like topics if you come on come in saying human biodiversity or hbd then it'll get it'll be a ban just because he just doesn't want to be the shop window for that sort of thing you know which i but yeah but hbd hbd so human biodiversity it's it's race realism by a, a, a uh-huh. name right <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised uh, you haven't like, i'm surprised you haven't come across that the um well, this is the problem with the walled garden though if, if yeah if everyone can see into the walled garden and see what you're talking about then mm. suddenly you've got to make changes to it and then it's just about where you draw the line i mean yeah, exactly. also the, one of the most famous depictions of fascism in film is 120 days of sodom where a bunch of italian fascists literally live in a walled garden and kill children so okay, i don't know children, i promise yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if walling this stuff up no i get what you're saying though yeah so so i mean the point is like he, he he's trying he's trying okay of course you can't wall it off but it's it's he's and it's not really a walled garden but it is he is putting in the work to maintain the difference between the inside and the outside so, i mean like, the outside you're right the outside of the internet has changed yeah. and it is harder to be the weird the nerdy weirdos like it was before where you could say what you like and it and it's sort of and it was a, a sort of I, I think we all agree the internet has changed, right? It used to be more of a sort of yeah. nerd's paradise where you could wear it. You used to be able to Google from. boobs and you would see boobs. I know. Now you, you can't, can't do that unless you turn the widget turn, off. Yeah, you know? exactly. A safe search, whatever. Come on. <laughs> Come um, on. <laughs> but uh, the um, but yeah, so so you're right. It's not walled off, but it, but there is a sort of a sort of thermodynamic effort, like to literally a, an actual work to maintain the difference between the, uh, uh, to maintain this sort of community spirit, which I. Again, like I should say, I am so not a, 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 a disinterested observer of this. I've written about them. I've read the books. I've written a book. I've literally read, written a book about them. I have read about. I've read his blog posts for now five years or six years or something like that. And 
I found it, I found it, you know, I'm sure you've had this with some writers where you start reading them and you think, oh shit, this guy's basically what I would say, saying basically what I would say if I was much cleverer than I am. And mm. I've, I got that experience with a lot of it. Like, oh yes, this is putting into words. I feel that way about Dan Brown. I'm yeah, like, no, oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, yes, the Catholic Church is to blame for everything. I, I could have definitely come up with that cryptox or whatever, for sure. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> yeah. um, yes, weird rhyming. Anyway, uh, so... Yeah, so I'm so I'm quite. You know, I I feel really protective of them. They're like my nerds, and then I see the, the the wider internet coming in and saying, and you know, and there are people who genuinely loathe them and really want to. There's a whole subreddit on Reddit, obviously, called Sneer Club, mm. dedicated to just oh. why the rationalists are shit and why they're. I'm evil. a big fan of Sneer Club. Oh, it's I, uh, hate it. I hate it so much. Sneer Club's <laughs> amazing because it has found a way to be somehow less coherent and denser than anything a rationalist would write, yeah. and it's like all anti-rationalist. So it's so. I think we're we're at a moment now where we need to sort of kind of sum up why we're talking about this this week. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats, we've made it uh, twenty minutes into the prologue. Uh, yeah, so- sorry, sorry, that's me. So let me just uh, let me just really quickly sum up where we are here in this news story for people who are, who are kind of like trying to figure out why everyone's talking about this blog. Mm. The New York Times last year reached out to the writer of Slate Star Codex and they, they said that they were going to write about the blog and that they were going to dox him and mm. at least name him. Mm. And the reason he didn't want them to do that and he had been writing under a pseudonym forever and the reason he didn't want them to do that is because he argued he's a therapist. He doesn't want any potential clients to know anything about him because that could color the way they interact with him. I think it's actually a fair argument. I think it's a really fair argument. I don't understand why the New York Times had any interest in putting his I'm real name. I'm completely baffled like, by it. But yeah. But, like yeah. it's so weird. So mm. it all went away uh he went offline for a while uh it was it was it was one of those things where it felt really strange because it it did literally feel like the new york times had lifted up like a rock and was like you know who we're gonna go after today xkcd let's do it (laughs) it it just felt very strange and out of the blue and i guess they had pegged it to the idea that a lot of silicon valley dorks are really obsessed with rationalism which like of course like they're all like trying to do debt slavery on the moon by 2030 so of course they're into that but and then last week last weekend was this Saturday, yeah, it was, I think it was Saturday. Uh, I think it was Saturday. Yeah, then Saturday. last Saturday, the New York Times finally put out their piece on Slate Star Codex. They named him. The piece was criticized in all kinds of different directions. Um, my favorite take on it, I think, was Elizabeth Spire's take. Um, if you haven't read it, I'll include it in our show notes. Uh, it was titled The Slate Star Clusterfuck. And it's a really good look at like how rationalism is part of the internet, but also went on to inspire people like Peter Thiel to dismantle the internet. It's a really interesting look at it. And then the whole news story has now culminated with Slate Star Codex moving to Substack and having an even well, more. I think you got the order slightly wrong there. He he doxed himself because he said the New York oh, Times. Oh, you're right. Do you're this. right. Okay. I'm going to Substack first to do it myself. You're which right. Means that yeah, the New York Times story doing it. I mean, the central thing with the New York Times story was it just it was not particularly good. It was boring. Like, it was quite. It was it was quite strange. It was just like kind of nothing in the mm. end. Like, there was very little to it. It sort of made me understand all of it less like it actually somehow like impacted my ability to understand why this mattered even less than i did before this is this is my problem with it right let's go this is my various problems with it but 
Firstly, it was really boring, right? It was really boring, and a lot of it just. Was. And then he deleted his blog because, because and didn't and didn't give any sort of context for like it was really sort of self exculpatory. Look, he deleted his blog because you were going to name him. You didn't need to name him. You did name him. It was all a bit weird. You didn't really. I don't know. You didn't give his reasons. I felt that was unfair. Also, you've got this amazing body of work and a lot of actual controversial stuff. I mean, like uh, Matt Iglesias wrote about it, and he pointed out like at one point. The, oh, I don't know. There, there's there's lots of stuff you could go into there, which he, which in which he basically he argues that most of the stuff we argue about on the internet and we spend all our time caring about is massively irrelevant. And you really should. And the, the important thing, you know, you could do many many times more good than you do in 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 your arguing about whatever Black Lives Matter, whatever by just donating twenty quid a month to uh, uh, anti malarial bednet charities, and that would do the do more good by a million times. Or something like that. And this stuff is that's controversial, right? Like you, you are. All the stuff that people genuinely care about is a massive sideshow to what to the. I'm actual... super anti-malarial. I'm super anti-anti-malarial bed nets, so that really pisses me. Yeah, off. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You have to have that look. Um, but yeah, and and then there was there was also I don't know. I felt it did a bit of what struck me as like guilt by association. He, he at one point in a blog post he says that um, uh, that there's probably well basically that he one 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 point in the piece it says. Uh, he, at one point, he aligns himself with Charles Murray, and Charles Murray thinks that race and IQ are linked. And then, but this is this is the problem though: is that what he does a lot, and what a lot of people do is, if you have this sort of platform, and he does have a big platform, mm. it may not be a you know a, a huge platform of scale, but it's certainly a huge platform mm. in influence. An awful lot of people read it, and he knows people go looking through his work for it. Don't cite Charles Murray. Yeah, it's a I mean, this really was like five easy years ago. To this. It was like five years ago before he had a huge yeah. platform. So I think that. But it, I mean, yeah. but even even then, it feels like you are automatically weakening your argument because whether or not people, I mean, I guess this is a rationalist thing that they think that weakening your argument by linking to it is going to be like, well, it doesn't matter because I'm not saying this, and you must read my work in the way it's intended. Also, Luke, it's true, a blogging but- thing. Like that's true. Like like it's. I mean, we want to dress it up as like you know as academic as he wants us to think it is. But like linking to a nut job or whatever, and like taking apart their argument is like hardcore blogger one hundred and one. Like that's just. It also. I mean, back in the day, it would literally improve your traffic if you linked out. Well, anyway, so the point. The point was the he um he he had said something like. I uh, he was talking about poverty and and universal basic incomes and saying, look, actually, there probably is going to be you know poverty is probably going to be really sticky because some people will find it harder to retrain as you know retraining a fifty five year old trucker as a um, computer programmer will probably be really hard. And he said, you know, so that so they will probably need a UBI. And then said, probably the only person in the in the wider world who agrees with me on this publicly is. Charles Murray, and that was the whole. That was literally that was the line. Didn't link to him or anything. That was that was that was it. And then saying that as and the, look, doesn't he think? Right, anyway, I felt that was very close to being slanderous. But anyway, the um, yeah. So the the, the the what what had happened? What's happened since then was he's written. But everyone's kicked off. There's been a massive. Uh, everyone's written their think pieces about it, including me, because how could I not? You know. Sure. That's what this is. This is an audio think piece. We're do, we're part of the content cycle. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah do exactly. This. Yeah. Um, and it ha- but what had happened before was, yeah, he he when possibly the more interesting bit is that Cade Metz, the author of the New York Times piece, had done this last June. Had been going around. Everyone had been on the in the rationalists. The rationalists are so paranoid, and it's sort of fair enough for all the reasons oh. we've just discussed because it is quite easy to go through and find something and say, look, these awful people. If you want to do that, you know, you can do hatchet jobs on them very easily. 
Um, so I understand them being paranoid. They thought my book was going to be a hit job. It wasn't. Um, but they, you know, they, they really paranoid about it. So that everyone was saying, he's coming around, he's going to do a hatchet job. He's going to, he's going to tear us all apart. It's going to be the New York times. And I was, I spoke to Kate Metz and he, he was like saying, no, I, I want to talk about how, um, how they predicted COVID, you know, which they did really well. They were well out ahead of the game on um, what was going to happen with COVID on things like masks on things like aerosol transmission on, you know, million things. And, uh, and he was like, I've, it's been really impressive. I want to talk about that. And I su- suggest, I told the rationalists uh, that I know, and I said to Scott, look, I think, I think he's all right. I think he's not going to do anything. But then there was this. So it's your fault. It is oh, part, wait, I mean, so this is... is partly my fault. Like, yeah, wow. I, I feel, I feel quite bad about it. Um, but the, but then when they did the name, then after that, they said, Met said he was going to name him. And that's when it all kicked off. Scott deleted his blog. Um, uh, Metz was on, you know, I had various from him and, uh, for, and from Scott, I sort of had, I think a certain amount of uh, back and forth, but basically like, uh, why is he naming the, why I have to name? Cause anyway, it was all a bit, it was all, it was all kicking off. And that's what I think, I think that caused this huge furore, which, and then, uh, which then, you know, uh, Scott made this massive error, which was to say, please email Cade Metz and his editor at the New York times. Thinking right. in his own words that yeah. they have, they have sort of, they have some lackeys who'll deal with emails. No, you've just got some poor guy and his uh, his, his boss who've just been deluged with five thousand emails, and it's obviously made them really angry. They were also getting, I, they were also getting. Um, Cade Metz was also had by this stage found Sneer Club, basically, and David Gerard of Sneer Club has been boasting on the internet about how he basically dictated the New York times piece and it's all his work and other people from, you know, so, so that, so at the same time, I think this is me sort of trying to piece together what happened at around the same time that they um, discovered these bunch of people who would tell them that they're all evil uh, sort of near reactionaries, whatever. They also were getting loads of abuse off uh, this army of internet people that Scott had accidentally or semi-accidentally or misguidedly sent their way. And so obviously then it becomes this sort of just more antagonistic relationship. This is my impression anyway. And then... Yeah, it's, it's really hard to get out of those cycles. Yeah. If you've if you've upset people and then they're attacking you, you're like, well, I was clearly right to upset yeah, them. Yeah, exactly, like, exactly. They're awful it, people. You end up yeah. in, a, in like a um, uh, uh, Cuban Missile Crisis situation, don't you? The, um, yeah. And then after that, uh, the New Yorker sort of scooped the New York times by writing up the whole piece, uh, the whole thing as a, as a sort of, this is actually, and it was a really good piece. Like this is, you know, neither fawning nor overtly critical. So you know, it was a really good piece explaining who Scott Alexander was and what the whole thing was. And then, so then I feel like after that, they had the New York times felt it had to do something right. again, misses me mind reading. It may be totally wrong, but they, um, they, they had to do something. They couldn't really write the same piece that New York had already done, but you know, had done a better version of already. So they had to make it about this, and uh, and then I then I emailed them and he cut cut down. It was just, so it ended up being this weird half piece that didn't really work and it was extremely it was just vapid. I yeah, think. I, I think I think also a lot of the tech Silicon Valley people they wanted to talk to it looked like they got scared away by it because mm. that was I think the angle which I think also is a super important angle that you know the most powerful people in the world are all reading this one guy's blog. Right, like that's really relevant. And we also know that there's kind of a. a a predilection on that that in that community to be extremely anti journalists particularly anti New York Times. Oh yeah. So, yeah. I mean there's also yeah. it's also like an interesting thing to me that like the New York Times and it it ha- it's been happening to the Times more and more lately where the New York Times wants to be like 
the paper of record and like a real newspaper and all this, but they also want to write about internet stories and they don't seem equipped to me mm. to be able to not get sucked into the drama cycles of what they're writing about. And this happens like all the time with them. And there's like really good young people at the paper trying to like tell these more complicated stories. But like, of course, the New York Times gets sucked into like essentially internet drama between a subreddit, a hate mm. subreddit and a blog. Yeah. Like that's what these communities exist for. Yeah, exactly. And like, you have to know that when you're going into those spaces. And if you don't, like, this is exactly what happens. The New York Times observing something changes it. Yeah, exactly. It's like 4chan, isn't it? When they, do, when they, when they used to like, have fun uh, like getting some random story into the... It, they used to write about this all the time at BuzzFeed, uh, Ryan. And, and, right. um, and it's, it's that. It's like, though this isn't... And I, th- I, I think there's an element of that with Sneer Club doing, look, we've, we've basically done a 4chan. Look, we've, we've turned, turned... That's probably an unfair way of putting it. But, you know, we've, we've created internet drama and we've unleashed the internet unleashed the media on our enemies and all that sort of stuff. I feel, I feel there's well, an element. Of it's that. interesting. It's interesting. You brought up 4chan actually, because I feel like another thing that's happening to Slate star codex happened to 4chan and a lot of other things. It even happened to discord. Thanks to a very bad tweet I made about clubhouse and discord this week. I'm now getting inundated with this, mm. but I think during the Trump era in particular, there was this genuine fear that fascists were lurking in the corners everywhere and anything could be fascist. And I think a lot of that was orchestrated by Steve Bannon, who is part of the reason like all of this is even happening in the first place Mm. because he was able to, and he's publicly talked about how he was able to harness internet communities and radicalize them and, and convert He's probably them. talked about how he claims to have been able to harness well, them. We know I, we, I throw a lot of cold water on his claim. I'm also going to say, like, we can look around and see the proof of it. I think he got pretty far. Not from Bannon. We can see it in general. I just don't think Bannon I th- did it. What, okay. Either I think, way, yeah. I think there was a tendency since that point to look at a thing on the internet and say, like, a lot of bad people use this. That means that only bad people use this. And if you use this, you're a bad person, which makes everyone go ballistic. And I used to have to write stories like this because there was this binary of, like, you are either on a fascist space or using a fascist product or you're not. And that's because it's a much easier story to tell in a news story. But that's actually not true. That's not how the internet works. Mm -hmm. Like, at the same time that, you know... 4chan users were using Discord to, like, try to get Marine Le Pen elected in France. You know, a bunch of, like, queer Twitch streamers were hanging out in their own server, and there's no interaction between the two. Because the internet is, uh, it's it's nothing. It's, like, anyone can use it. Yeah. And I think internet communities are the same way, where it's, like, Slate Star Codex, yeah, has a bunch of, like, totally toxic like eugenicists and pedophiles in it, but they also probably have some people that aren't that. Do you think one or <laughs> and two like, you'd hope? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And there's, and I, I think this whole like crypto fash thing, like it can be true and has been true for some things, but also it's exhausting because it's just like <laughs> the internet can't be thought of that way. It's not a binary. But also, I mean, I think uh, I, what I was, what I thought where I, well, where my mind went when you were talking about Bannon saying that he's done, he's made this thing, I don't, and I don't, I don't know if it was Bannon or not, but there's certainly Bannon or the media or someone. That I think probably, I think, to be honest, I think it's not anyone. I think it's just the media will, you know, like the, I always think of that that video. Was it Charlottesville? And all people with the tiki torches, and they're all, they look like they're from the it's all zoomed in, and you see this like wall of people with the tiki torches. But actually, if you look at it from the zoom back picture at all, there's like thirty guys, right? You know, it's probably a bit more right. than that, but you know. And, and this was a point that uh, Scott Alexander makes actually um, in in the run up, I think, to the 2016 uh, uh, presidential election. He said, "Look, 
we're all focusing on this tiny subcultures of absolute weirdos. But if you look at like the number of people who you know support the Ku Klux Klan, things like that, they're sort of comparable to the sort of numbers you get for the Church of Satan. You know, and they're just they're a weird. And then we all focus on them and look. There's this deadly threat. And and you know that is not to say that the things they believe and the and real racist attitudes and general awfulness doesn't exist in much larger numbers. But we are focusing on these tiny band of absolute lunatics and by doing that much in the same way i always think that when you focus on a school shooting and make it the news everywhere and suddenly that you you make it a bigger problem by focusing on this problem and the that's what we in the media are amazingly good at doing is like you're right tom charlottesville wasn't that bad in school shootings aren't news that's a great point tom (laughs) yeah i'm gonna get cancelled from a great height i mean this is this is this is the problem though isn't it it is it is the difficulty (laughs) between kind of because the reason this stuff is is covered is because it's new and because it's changing. There has been an interesting shift where, like, at the beginning of my journalism career, I would, like, find things on the internet. And the first question out of an editor's mouth would be, like, how big is this? Like, how notable is this? Mm. And I went to the UK and I sort of, like, lost touch with, like, how America works for mm. a while. And when I came back five years later... It was interesting that those questions weren't being asked anymore. Mm. And it really does feel like the like Trump traffic bonanza completely scrambled everyone's brains and there's just like no more there's no more concern about scale or and this is why I got like really frustrated with a lot of pieces being written in like more mainstream outlets where it literally felt like an editor saw something and was like, "Okay, we need to one up whatever that was. So go find the next like brony who's going to boil his piss and make it a trend piece Mm. and it just feels like there's no concept for why this matters and that's why we end up like putting tremendous importance on things that just like aren't real yes well i remember you doing this actually because when you got to the uk you point at the screen we can't tell who you're oh yeah i can't no i was pointing i was pointing at ryan because i remember when you got to europe uh you got very excited about like a load of protests in france and you're like look at these protests and we were like it's yeah, it's a day of the week with a Y in it. There are protests in France. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There'll be there'll be farmers It was pretty cool. They flipped a car and burned it in front of my Airbnb, but apparently it wasn't yeah. very big news. <laughs> <laughs> so Tom, like, why did we go through all of this? What does this mean? <laughs> like why did we do this? <laughs> like, why did we go through this whole thing about this guy's blog? Um, like honestly, I don't on, on in in the context of what we we're just talking about, honestly, it means very little. Like the, it's, it's a reasonably small internet community, quite influential because it's a bunch of people who, like you say, people read it in the high up in the tech things. People read it, and you know, lots of journalists, and it, it is quite influential. But it's basically still quite a small number of people. Not that important. They got it, it got really big news around my circles of the internet because they're the internet circles I hang out. But I don't think my parents would have heard. If they hadn't read my piece, which they do sometimes read, you know, they they um they, they yeah. wouldn't have had a clue about who this guy is. Um, so I, I think that is on one level it is unimportant. As on a, as there, you can make cases for it being important. I think that there there is a relevance for like like what what should journalism be doing in these situations? How should journalism you know what's the role of journalism in um like naming random dudes on the internet like that sort of thing? Is is it does it has it done any good there has it imp- I don't know. you can you can make cases for it being important on a sort of meta level but i think it is if i'm really honest with myself it is probably just a uh, it is a blogger has had to 
move from one blog platform to a different blog platform um, because because the New York Times got interested in them for a bit. And that's 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 really the, the, the upsum, isn't it? You know, that's the that's the final analysis. It's so crushingly boring when you describe it. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a blogger who went on a hiatus and then moved to Substack. Yeah, exactly. But he got a big pay rise for it, so yeah, like that's that, that is good news. I mean that's that seems to be in line with a lot of how the Silicon Valley guys interpret rationalism. <laughs> it's yeah. like how do you yeah. use robotic thinking to make the most money possible? Well, exactly, and then you give it all to charity. That's that's what you do, like you know, anti-malarial bed nets. That's right. Damn right. Um, so, Tom, we end every episode with a segment we call The Content You Consume to Stay Sane. Mm-hmm. Um, and we go around and we share a thing that we've read or watched or eaten or done to not uh, succumb to COVID madness. So, uh, Tom, have you consumed any good content this week to stay sane? You know what? This week I have read, I've got, and this is tangentially related to the the, I, the, um, the Wellerman sea shanty that went around. Like, okay. I've started rereading the um, Patrick O'Brien Aubrey Maturin novels, um, which are basically set in Royal Navy ships or in various Royal Navy ships in the Napoleonic Wars. And it is utterly nothing to do with 21st century concerns about the internet. And it is really just... It, I've just read started. I've read them all before, but um, I just started the first one last week, and I'm about to, you know about to finish it. And now I just what what will happen is I'll now read all twenty or whatever it is in a row right. back to back, and I will love it. And it'll uh, I go for runs and I'll you know read it here on my audio uh, on my headphones, do the audio book and switch, it. and it, it it will just be totally separate from the world, and I will absolutely love it because it is so funny and separate from what we're thinking about and. Wouldn't have the word COVID in it anywhere. Uh, yeah, so that 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 would be but the one thing. I've been doing that a lot actually. Unlike, in fact, your book, which did have pandemics in multiple times. Yes, sorry about that. Being yeah. Before the pandemic, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they've been that's but that's what they've been worrying about. They've been saying they've been saying for a long time the effects of altruists and the rationalists like pandemics and AI are the two things that are most likely to kill us. And so it seems you know they, they've been yeah half right. of the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I but yeah with the. Uh, Aubrey Maturin thing I've been doing this before that I was comfort reading Terry Pratchett books by the dozen like think that I've read 40 times before you know it's just like anything that is not challenging has been brilliant yes uh, yeah. Luke have you consumed any content this week uh, yeah in? I watched Tenet this week oh, Tenet yeah. I don't know how it's I finally watched it whoa did you hear what anyone was saying was it good did it make any sense yeah it was fun it was, it was a good movie I don't know why everyone was so confused about it it's like they clearly they lost the the, the I think they lost their thinking a little bit in the the final sequence where where everything comes together. But the whole main part of the movie works relatively simple. It's just a loop. It's fine. It's a time travel movie. I don't know why everyone's so confused. How about you, Ryan? I have uh, finally jumped into the newest season of The Expanse and uh, the interstellar politics of that world are all I've been able to think about for the last like week. Um, if Honestly, that show is so good. It's so goddamn good. And the newest season is about uh, a faction of the Belters radicalizing into space ISIS. And it's so good. It's so goddamn good. Have you, wa- have you watched this show, I've not. I've not. I, uh, but, okay. but I, I tell you what, though. The, the deal was... My, my, my wife chose the serpent and the deal was which i'm not sure if she remembers but i will hold her to is that we did the expanse next so i'm pleased to hear that it's i'm pleased to hear okay so the first season is thomas jane doing like this really weird detective story with a skrillex haircut but it's worth it because when you get past that entry point 
it basically is about the politics between a neoliberal Earth run by the UN, a hyper-nationalist Mars that is super obsessed with, like, eco-fascism, and then the Belters, who are people who work on asteroids and live in space, and they're basically like a Bedouin kind of, like, uh, like, uh, like, Almost like in the newer seasons, they're almost like turning into like a like a like a Republic of Ireland kind of situation. It's really fascinating. And it's written by these two guys who were uh, taken under the wing of George R. R. Martin, who was like, let me help you turn your book series into like a mega franchise. And then it's so good. So I have to I have to check, though, at this stage. I don't know. Bit about, I, I, I was stung by Battlestar Galactica. Did you watch Battlestar oh. Galactica? And you know, it this just is, goes this really is... weird. Like, I don't know what the questions are. You know, the questions have gone weird. You don't know what you're doing. So this, like, this is everything I've ever wanted out of sci-fi. And now they're finally doing the thing that I really desperately wanted, which is it's been in space the whole time. And yeah. now there's, like, an entire plot line in this season on Earth. So you get to see, like, what Earth looks like. And it's unreal it's like it's so good all right i will push emma very hard to let me uh, let us put that next on the on the netflix rotation you know um. watch the expanse um well tom thank you very much for coming on and helping do, us do you want to promo your book officially oh yeah yeah, yeah. Do, yeah, do, yeah do, plug, do plug 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 oh yeah so um they've they've changed it. it used to be called the ai does not hate you um but they changed the title for the paperback which i i I, I t- I'm told it's not an insult, and it's now called um, the Rationalist's Guide to the Galaxy, and it's it's exactly about all this stuff. It's about um, that's a good title. So thank you. Uh, it, it was I was really pleased when they did change it because no one noticed that I'd given it 42 chapters, and the 42nd chapter was called Life, the Universe, and Everything. Uh, so <laughs> I, that's I perfect. Quite that's great. You know? um, and it is exactly about all. It's it's trying to explain the the AI fears. It's trying to explain the history of the Rationalists and where this you know how less wrong and Slate Star Codex all came to be, and like why that. Uh, what their what it means to be rational in this sense that they describe and all these things um it's a lot of bayesian reasoning and uh human you know cognitive biases and everything um i think it's interesting but yeah, I'd, uh, I'd, reading it, writing it. I'd, I'd i'd recommend it um especially if you've read some of tom's uh, other work because then you can skip chapters that he's cannibalized from it <laughs> for later columns <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i have done that a few times yeah yeah there's a there's a few bits where like okay you, it might be familiar to you from later writing which I but don't tell anyone right uh, don't, certainly don't put it release it on the internet that i said that <laughs> um well thank you guys for listening um definitely check out our show notes uh at patreon.com slash the content minds Luke and I are going to leave Tom now, and we're going to go over to our other podcast and talk about the first Fast and the Furious movie, which is a real tone shift from this one, but uh, <laughs> we're going to go do that. So thank you again, Tom. And, uh, My pleasure. Thanks, and, Take care, uh, guys. Hopefully we'll when the AI murders us, it murders me first, yes. so I don't have to watch it murder you. You know, That's sweet. That's very sweet. <laughs> All right. See you later, guys.